He's a venture capitalist, entrepreneur, and author who believes startups are the key to human flourishing. His book, Get Backed, has helped millions of founders craft their stories for investors. My parents on my birthday card every year would write, where did he come from, question mark. Which just spoke to like being a little bit weird, but also just having this sense that a lot of the world was broken and that through creative doing and leading, you could improve that. I just didn't think of business as a tool for that. And so it's really meeting Peter Thiel years later that it reframed how I thought about business. And best of all, he's a father of four. Evan Baer, welcome to Pop Wisdom. How have you most damaged your kids, either physically or mentally? I think that we run pretty hard and we do a lot socially and we are uh, building this new house and we wrote a program for the house of like what we want to do in the house. And my son said, dad, it looks like we're going to live in a corporate retreat center. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like an astute young man. <laughs> yeah. I said, dang, you nailed it. <laughs> no. So I think it's, uh, uh, we, we, we run pretty hard and do a lot with lots of groups of people and we kind of, pull them along probably a little too frequently. What's your favorite video or board game? We are big Scrabble people. My dad used to, we would read these books on etymology, like the roots of words. We were normal people. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of Scrabble as a kid. My kids really like Scrabble. And kind of the edgiest thing is sort of when to challenge, you know, because some really weird words get floated. It's probably when it gets the most heated at the bear household is, is are we going to do the challenge? You know, see if it's a real word or not. When you competed against your dad, did he let you win or did you have to earn it every time? Did he, did he ever let you win? He's probably a keep it pretty close guy. Played a lot of tennis as a family growing up. And when we were little, you know, he wouldn't just slam it and win 6-0. We were always pretty close in tennis. I got better than him when I was in high school. So he'd probably, I'd say he'd keep it competitive. I've read that from a developmental perspective, you always want to be just out of reach. Mm kids learn kind of right at the edge of yeah. their capabilities. So, yeah. and actually that the dads naturally do that. Hmm. What does masculinity mean to you or what is it? Masculinity is being how God made us. To me, it feels very primal in a sense of we are in the garden, we are made to work. Heaven is not floating on clouds, eating marshmallows. Like we are made to work. There's a physicality to it. There's a production element. There's a sexual element of being fruitful and multiplying. There's a protector element. I think there's just wonderful imagery in the Bible about how we are made, made in God's image. And it's also not just like chopping up animals. There's a creator piece of it. I mean, a God that in six days made the most beautiful things anyone has ever possibly put their eyes on, we're made in that image. So that's probably where I'd first go. And yes, there are elements of strength and protector, and there are also elements of great creator. What's the most surprising definition of masculinity for you? Probably a surprising component of masculinity for how I think about it really is the idea of hospitality and creativity. There are elements to that that I think might be perceived as more feminine elements, but experience design, how we encounter each other, how we produce events, how we welcome people into an inviting space, to me are all amazing things about sort of the provision for other people. What did your dad teach you about God? My dad certainly taught me a lot about church and religious community. And then directly about God, you know, watching him, especially through the loss of his son, my brother, there's a beautiful image in the Bible of David 
wrestling with God. And he really, my dad really wrestled, wrestled with God, not wrestling about the existence of God, but it's, you know, when these really horrible things happen to you, how do you go to God honestly and deliberately and, and wrestle through that? And he did that and it was hard, but in a, in a beautiful way. That is the hardest thing. To lose a child is just, you know, that's not the thing you want to ever happen to anyone. Yeah. What is the number one lesson you learned from your dad? He wrote a quotation on our refrigerator, which uh, I think he wrote on a post-it note and meant it to stay for maybe a month. And I think it was there for like 10 years. And the line was this, failing to plan is like planning to fail. And so he was just a very organized, he was a list maker. None of this is surprising me. Yeah, you should not be surprised by this. This is very sad, but my I listed as my favorite book on my college application. You know, most people are like uh, Dostoevsky or something beautiful. Mine was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens, which <laughs> not even the adult version, but literally, you know, some admissions officer had to be like, this kid is such a tool. Let's save him from himself. It's a good book, though. It's a good book. <laughs> the Seven Lessons of Highly Effective Teens. Yeah, I know. It's bad. What's your favorite children's book? And this can be one you read as a kid or one you read your kids now. Well, it's just kind of cheating. A friend wrote it. There's a wonderful children's book that is a biography of Elon Musk written for young kids. And I partly like it because it's beautifully illustrated. There's a stack of the books that Elon apparently read as a kid, and it's like... Newtonian physics and all this stuff, and then Get Backed is one of them in the illustration, which obviously is not true, but uh, it's kind of fun. It's really well done, and it's written for young kids, and it keeps coming back to this sort of all caps thing, and it says, ROCKETS! So as you're reading the book to the kids, they kind of pick it up, and you turn the page, and then, like the little kid looks up, and it's like, ROCKETS! It's just fun. Elon's story, I think, is a really cool one to tell kids to dream about really big and crazy things. He also, he makes rockets, and that's... That's pretty awesome. Yeah. He is basically the thing that you, as a little boy, dream of becoming on multiple levels. Yeah. It's like, I love cars, I love spaceships, I want to be the richest man in the world. All the things. All the things. Yeah. <laughs> Buy a major social media company. You know, most young kids aspire to that. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yes, yes. What sound, noise, or smell do you love? The first sound that comes to mind is this pitter-patter of the our four-year-old twins sort of toddling down the stairs that happens around, you know, two in the morning on their coming down. And it's this whole pattern of events. You hear the kind of the pitter-patter. You hear the screech of the doggy gate that's being opened. And then you kind of hear the creak of the bedroom door. It's this whole symphony <laughs> of a 20-second progression that ends in da-da. It's kind of painful because it's the middle of the night, but it's a, it's a beautiful set. Yeah. I definitely prefer that one to the thud followed <laughs> by crying when they're young and, and first climb out of the definitely the duration crib. between the thud and the cry. The longer it, it allows her the inhaling of enough air to produce sort of air horn level <laughs> volume. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What's the most valuable thing you've learned from your children hmm. or child? We do have this motto for the family right now, which is we can do hard things. And my kids will keep coming back to talking about hard things. So we 
had to leave our house in an hour. We threw away everything we owned. Like there's really hard things. And part of me is like, hey, we already processed that. Like let's move on. But I think watching how children come back to sort of work through again, almost a process of mourning of like, hey, whenever you're wanting to talk about how sad it is that we're not at our house anymore, like, let's just talk about that. That's okay. We're not here to solve it. We're just here to like be in that space. And so I, I see the kids wanting to do that. And I think my initial reaction is like, let me fix that for you. <laughs> but they don't want it. They don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. What's your favorite dad expression? And from whom did you pick it up? John Marsh is a good friend. He says plain things very well. And he says, I've got to look out for when the defecation hits the ventilation. Uh, obviously when the, uh, the poop hits the fan and uh, it's just a nice way of just talking about with little kids. I mean, there's literal poop, there's metaphorical poop. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And so you're just getting punched in the face. Literally. Right and left. And physically. Right. And, and uh, metaphorically. What's your favorite dad joke or shtick that you like mm. to play with your loved ones? So what I currently do with the four-year-olds is we have this little thing we play back and forth and I look at them very serious and I say, uh-oh and their eyes get really big. I'm like, <laughs> I think there's a big problem. And they're still kind of looking at me, but then they start to look at each other and then they kind of realize where it's going. I said, I think there's a hole in your tummy. And they instantly grab their shirts and lock it down. <laughs> Don't look at the hole in my tummy. And then uh, it turns into this big tickling match where we kind of discover the hole and then Elle's like, it's your belly button. <laughs> and so we have kind of a belly button shtick right now. I got some lame dad jokes, but I'll go with the belly button shtick. You pulled the cute card, I yeah. like it. What's your favorite dish to cook? Ooh, I'm pretty solid on the grill. A family steak recipe, which we don't really divulge. But it's pretty simple. So first of all, for grilling, you gotta have room temperature meat. So take the meat out a number of hours ahead of time, get the grill as hot as possible, seven, 800 degrees. And then I actually coat the steak in uh, French's mustard, which sounds disgusting, but it's French's mustard and then like a thick layer of kosher salt on it. Hmm. And then you sear it on both sides and then and all the yellow mustard basically soaks into the meat, giving like a nice little spicy vinegar flavor with this charred layer of salt on it. Highly recommend. That sounds pretty incredible. It will never be cooked in my vegetarian house. <laughs> you could maybe try a lightly charred uh, kale brisket. No, not gonna work. If you could relive one memory with your dad from an earlier time, what would the memory be? I mean, there so many great memories come to mind of hiking trips and backpacking trips and mountain biking. We would do a bunch of these fun adventures. We fished the tarpon migration on Upper Matacumbi Key in the Keys off of Florida. And it was my dad and my brother and I, and uh, tarpon fishing is kind of like hunting. You're on these saltwater boats and you'd see one of these six foot long fish. Yeah, they're big, tarpons. They're 100 pounds plus. And uh, it was just like we went out on this mission and you're sweating and you're fighting the fish and you're high-fiving and it was just a, a boy's fishing trip. Yeah, we have amazing pictures from it. Probably no major deep conversations happen, but you're just soaking every ounce of that Florida sun in and yeah, it was, it was an amazing time. That's a great memory. What is the most dangerous thing you've ever let your kid do? Or one of your kids since you have four? We had a recent discussion about letting our nine-year-old daughter go 
a mile away to like go get a smoothie or something. And it's kind of sad that that feels dangerous. It kind of shouldn't be dangerous, but Mm -hmm. like a nine-year-old girl on a bike driving a mile and there's like trails and stuff. Like I hate that that's dangerous. I don't want her to think that's dangerous, but like it kind of feels dangerous. I think you need to spend some more time with uh, our videos featuring Lenore Skenazy, who let her nine-year-old take the subway. Now she was deemed the world's worst mom, but she wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) What's the most dangerous thing you ever did as a child? Rolling or toilet papering people's houses was like a big thing, you know, as kids around homecoming or whatever. And so we participated in that, but that's not the scary part or the dangerous part. One person's house, we probably went a little overboard. There were lots of people involved in this. So there's the toilet paper, but then there's also like, you can fork someone's yard. You can like put a dead fish in the back of their car, like under the floorboard. Uh And so there was probably a little too much, but this girl's dad really was like gonna like nearly turn this set of people into the police. And what we realized was he was going around to the different parents to sort of organize sort of like a prisoner's dilemma situation to sort of incite narking. And so we (laughs) planted voice recorders in the rooms where he was gonna be going to those houses and talking to the parents. We recorded him saying, well, I was just at Susie's house and Susie said this. And then we got all the families together and we played the tapes to show that the dad was lying. I think Florida is a two-party consent state, so he probably broke laws, but we felt kind of like MacGyver. (laughs) It was pretty awesome and no one got in trouble. What was his response to this elaborate scheme? There was a lot of shame. It was it was not good. It kind of just went away. The girl was really embarrassed. We, we should not have done that, probably. We just had this innate sense of justice, you know? We've been mildly vandalizing homes. You've done a maybe ethically dubious approach to investigating this. And so we are going to no. shame you in the neighborhood. I know. That was bad. It was bad. This is a lesson. Those that cross Evan Bear... Don't let his friendly demeanor fool you. Watch out. Danger waits. That's all I got, man. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dad Saves America podcast. If you did, make sure to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. It also really helps us out when you leave us a good rating wherever you listen to podcasts. For more content like this, including video versions of these conversations, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dadsavesamerica.